We move on with the story of Paul on his um, third missionary journey. He's getting ready to head back to Jerusalem. Matter of fact, he's kind of on that way. He stopped off close to Ephesus. The Ephesus elders met him there, and uh, it closed out that he embraced. They embraced Paul, and then they kissed him, and they grieved over the fact that he wouldn't see them again. They wouldn't see his face again. And um, then he left on the ship. And now he's on his way to Jerusalem. God's greatest people, that's his believers, um, but the ones who really desire to do his will, they believe their cause is worth dying for. And uh, that's what's happening here. As he says, um, your face will not see me anymore. Uh, made them very sad. Made him sad. But he knows that he's going towards Jerusalem and it seems like every town that he stops, it seems like there's a Holy Spirit there testifying to him that bonds and afflictions are awaiting him in Jerusalem. But does that stop him? No. Bart? No, I, I, I didn't. I didn't have any. I just learned this morning that I was doing it. <laughs> so, so I knew that I probably wouldn't be able to get one of those. But um, I'll, we'll call this um, conviction. Not convicted by the Holy Spirit, but when you, when you're convicted to do something, you know, um, courage. Conviction of courage. Maybe we could put it that way. Um, and and there's two things here, two main things that we'll hit on in the six verses in chapter 21. Number one, when you have true conviction, you know the purpose. You know its purpose. You know the purpose of what what um, why you have this courage of conviction. And number two is that you will not be diverted. You're going to go through with what God is leading you with. Um, so and he wasn't stopped, as uh, as he had this conviction. Would you say number two again? That would be that he was not diverted, diverted. I guess he was not he was not stopped. He was not going to stop. So he he knows the purpose on this. This courage of conviction knows its purpose, and also uh, will not be diverted. And uh, why don't we read? Um, Chapter 21, we'll, we'll take the like six verses. When we had parted from them and had set sail, we ran a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patera. And having found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we came inside of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we kept sailing to Syria and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unload its cargo. After looking up the disciples, we stayed there seven days. And they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we left and started on our journey, while they all, with wives and children, escorted us until we were out of the city. After kneeling down on the beach and praying, we said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home again. So, we're on the ship. We're on the journey. We're moving. He has a conviction. And one reason is is that he collected money. He collected uh, a, a treasury for the saints in Jerusalem. The poor saints. And so he had collected all this time. And it's kind of like a two-fold project. Uh, for one thing, it definitely gets the church together, Jew and Gentile, and it's a great opportunity for the Gentile churches to show their love for the, the Jewish church, the Jewish people in the church, and then to unite the church into one. And so that serves a great purpose there, doesn't it? Uh, to meet their needs in, in that sense. And then also, you know, not only he sees a possibility of meeting their, their physical needs, but also when he goes to Jerusalem, maybe he can um, well, definitely he can share what uh, what has happened, where he's been, and then maybe uh, shoot some spiritual energy into them as uh, maybe they've been worn down a little bit. Uh, of course, 
many in the church there probably had uh, suffered persecution. And uh, so he, he's there to kind of share with them. And uh, this is not a safe thing to do, to go back to Jerusalem. You would think, well, that's a natural. That's the headquarters. That's where they were originally started, and why not, you know? Um, Paul is a wanted man. And, of course, any leader of any big group, if uh, they are enemies, they will be sought out. And uh, we've known that in the past. Uh, some of the uh, the Muslim leaders, or uh, uh, whether it be uh, Iran, Iraq, or other places, or let's say if you could get the ISIS leader of whoever that is, you know that that'll be one of the, the things. Of course, you can remember what, what was the guy they uh, they gunned down not too many years. Yeah, Bin Laden. You know, and of course he's kind of the face of it. But uh, when you think of Paul, I mean, look at the impact that he had made, although the Christians are everywhere and they're doing the same thing that he is, but he is the head honcho as it moves out and about and he's making big directions towards different areas and different cities. So they hate Paul if, uh, if they're Jews. They hate uh, all that he's doing, what he's done, so they, and they've chased him from town to town where he's gone in. Uh, they want to kill him. We've, we've seen that. So if they wanted to get him there, we know in Jerusalem if he would uh, set his face there, uh, that's like going out from what the frying pan into the what? The fire. Uh, so you know, I, I used to didn't really give that a great thought. I was, okay, he's going to Jerusalem. Yeah, there's there's kind of a, there's prophecies here what's going to happen to him there, but uh, the whole operations. Uh, the, this is the headquarters, Jerusalem. So everywhere he goes, it seems like people now are warning him, you know what's going to happen when you get to Jerusalem. And, of course, the, I think the Holy Spirit kept telling him in every city that bonds, afflictions await him, but he has a conviction. And he's very courageous. He has the courage to see this through without worrying about whatever the consequences are. And I know that we've already seen him say that. Uh, you know, he he knows that what he, what he's doing is uh, something that uh, he wants to do. It's something that God uh, has designed, but yet there's a warning there for him. Now, if you want to talk about courageous people in the Bible, you don't have to go um, too far. But we could go all the way back into the Old Testament. Uh, God has courageous leaders all the way through. Um, of course, all of them have their their humanness too. But you can think of Joshua and Caleb. And they go into where God says that this is the promised land. Go in. Take it. It's yours. Go for it. Of course, the uh, you have two spies and you have ten other spies and they go... You know, I mean, they had grapes there. They had everything. And they were huge, you know. And uh, it just milk and honey. I mean, just everything was prosperous looking there. But the enemy looked too big. And, of course, um, they were brave enough to go in, but and they wanted to go possess that land, but the nation didn't make that decision to do it. Deborah, uh, a leader in the book of Judges, she said, God promises victory. Let's go for it. You think of David. David uh, says, hey, God wants Israel to pres- um, be preserved against this all the attacks that come from the Philistines. Of course, David fought them all his time. Then you think of the... Um, how about the the he, three Hebrew young men? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were willing to give up their lives uh, for uh, the sake of, of the truth and worship of one true God rather than worship any other God. Daniel, the same thing, right? It's in that same book. And then you have a guy that uh, is not found in the Bible, but uh, you have a guy by the name of Patrick Henry who said, give me liberty or give me death. <laughs> he was willing to fight for the cause. Conviction. He wanted liberty. Um, do you realize, before we ever got to Jerusalem, before it ever got to Rome, Paul had... Uh, and we saw this recently, he went to Corinth, 
that last time as he's getting ready to go to Ephesus, and he and he sat down there and wrote the book of Romans. And in there, we know that uh, he had also said, I'm going to Jerusalem, and as soon as I get to Jerusalem, I'll come to you in Rome. Well, he did go to Jerusalem, and he did go to Rome. So, we look in verse 1, and uh, actually probably the first three verses is where, we, if we want to break this down, conviction knows its purpose. Conviction knows its purpose. When we had parted from them, the Ephesian elders, and had set sail, we ran a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patera. If you have your maps, you'll see uh, anywhere from 50, 70 miles each one of these little uh, these towns. Uh, and it's a straight course. That means able to sail uh, in the daytime with wind, and a straight course. And of course, the night at night time, the winds would die down, and they wouldn't do any sailing. They would stop in these particular places. So they they would stop 45 miles to coast, then 70 miles to Rhodes, then 70 miles to Patera, and uh, they're sailing day and uh, stopping at night, making pretty good head uh, headway, good time. And uh, matter of fact, it's also interesting that they're going right really close to along the coast. So it would be a smaller type boat because they were able to uh, go from there to these towns where they were at if you have a big boat you got to be way off the coast you know for them to be able to uh to park it out there right <laughs> but uh so it would have been a little ship that just kind of hugged the coastline and, and went that way and then they finally got to patera and uh, they arrived at a place there's a port there in patera it's a it's a large port Happens to be a big river there, uh, a river that uh, emptied into the Mediterranean Sea. That's where they've, they've been, and so certain ships would unload, unload their cargo there at uh, Patera, and then they would take this cargo up the river in other boats, uh, right on up the river to uh, right on into the inland. So you got to have ways to travel back then. It's limited compared to what we would have uh, today, but uh, they used that. So uh, larger ships would come in there, they would dock, and uh, they'd get off the little boat, and then they would have gotten on to a larger one. And Chrysostom, um, famous preacher, pastor in the uh, early days of the church, one of the church fathers, said this, from Patera to Phoenicia, or Tyre, was about a five-day sailing trip. So they're at Patera, if things are going right, it's going to take about five days to get where they're going now. Uh, they're now going to hit on a bigger ship this time, and they're going to go off the coastland and go now um, from the side of Cyprus as they get there, kind of out there in the middle of the Mediterranean, and go on past. And they actually sight. They, they sighted Cyprus. They saw it. It was on their left. They didn't stop there. They kept on going. They sailed south of Cyprus. Sailed into Syria. On your maps, you might see Damascus. And that's Syria. We know about Syria today, basically in the same area. They landed at Tyre. Does that city sound familiar? Tyre and Sidon. Jesus ministered there once, and uh, it was right there on the coast. Uh, so Syria, of course, that's the coastline area, and Tyre is there. You get courageous when you get into the game. That's how one is uh, considered gra- uh, courageous. Uh, sometimes Christians can sit on the bench and they not do anything and they wonder if they have any courage. And if they haven't been going out and doing anything, they don't know. And so it has to be a goal. It has to be a goal of um, uh, orientation uh, of what the Lord is doing in their lives. And I think the biggest goal that Paul had, he said that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, right? 
that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. And that's what Paul has in mind. Now, this kind of reminds us a little bit of uh, Jesus as He set His face like flint to go to Jerusalem. knowing he, But He knew that He was going to die there. He knew He was going to be crucified. He's already told that. But here, Paul is kind of uh, going into the same kind of thing, thinking, well, he could be killed there. He doesn't know, but he does know something uh, is going to happen there. Um, and I think the whole idea behind him is, I, I know that I, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. I want to conform to His death. And he took that seriously. And I think that would be the best goal that we could possibly have as Christians. All Christians should have that. Sure, Paul the Apostle said it, but shouldn't we say that too? Shouldn't that be our whole goal? You know, Whatever God has in mind to do. Uh, I want to know Him. Um, how do you get to know Him? The Word of God. And that's what we must do. We must know His Word. We must know it. Feed off that. So, um, Cana Patera, verse 1, Having found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard, set sail. When we came in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we kept sailing to Syria, and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unload its cargo. Now, they've come all the way to Tyre. Now they're on the land. They're in the Palestinian area. And after looking up the disciples, we stayed there seven days at Tyre. And they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. So um, we move into um, verse 4 there. And... I think it's kind of interesting. It says we we found disciples, followers, us. I like that. I think that's the greatest part of traveling. Greatest part of anything. When you meet new people that happen to be Christians. Isn't it great? You meet new Christians. These Christians didn't know Paul. Now sometimes he runs into people that he's ran into before that uh, he helped lead to Christ. A church got set up there. Um, Paul didn't found the church entire. He didn't have anything to do with that directly. But actually, indirectly, he really did. <laughs> um, I'll tell you that in a moment. Now, in verse 4, it says, um, Find the disciples. We tarried seven days. So, say they're weak. These disciples said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Now, that's what's been said all along, um, as a result of the persecution and execution of Stephen, look back in Acts 11, verse 19, as a result of Stephen being executed, 11:19, since so then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen, who was there at Stephen's execution? Saul. Saul, Paul. Yeah, same guy, we know. Only a different guy later, right? And they made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. You notice? That's interesting. To Phoenicia, Cyprus. This is this in this area, and then even further north up there. So they were scattered. And so there were churches set up there, and as Paul went to Tyre, there was a church there. Jesus had gone there. And... Um, there was a reason that he'd gone there. And, you know, it was good a little bit of uh, R&R time. <laughs> but he, he kept still doing ministry there. And then he went back to, to Galilee. But um, 
here we have this area because of the persecution that happened to Stephen. Paul was indirectly, or Saul was indirectly involved in the growth of the church and the good of the church before he was saved. Now, isn't that interesting? And now, only sovereign God can do that. (laughs) Even before he's saved, he's actually contributing for the good of the church, not knowing it as he persecutes it. Of course, Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? That's not good in that sense. But in another sense, God works together all things together for good to those who love Him and call according to His purpose. <laughs> and so, God is never defeated in anything. And uh, so we can see that He can use the people who are against Him for His purpose. Yeah, in, in Genesis. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. They say, through the Spirit... They kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. Difficult, difficult passage. Um, this this whole thing is difficult in, in some senses. Um, if they're telling him that he shouldn't go, then he's disobeyed. And the Holy Spirit is telling them to tell him that he shouldn't go then he disobeys God. Well, we're going to have some Scripture we're going to have to deal with on that if that be the case. Is Paul disobedient? That's, that's our question here. Did he, did he make a mistake in going to Jerusalem? I think we know the answer to that. But when you see the words through the Spirit, they're saying this through the Spirit. Um... This would mean to exercise um, a spiritual gift, um, let's say a, a gift of prophecy. And sometimes humanness comes in with what truth is. And sometimes truth can be straightforward, and yet we want we want to make it be a little bit more comfortable. But if uh, turn to First Corinthians fourteen three. 1 Corinthians 14.3. We've been talking about uh, gifts, then the greatest gift, uh, it's love in chapter 13, still in that same section, and then chapter 14 and uh, getting at verse 3. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. Well, there are some prophecies going on and proclaiming. Telling, it means to tell forth, and that can mean, for one thing, speaking the truth of God. It definitely means that. And it also means that it can predict future, future things. And sometimes that, that's used. You know, God, God uh, certainly did that. Uh, and, he, and He used that. And of course, they, they exercised spiritual gifts. Um, kind of interesting. In Corinthians, it also says when one prophesies or you have two of them prophesying, what are they supposed to be? What are people supposed to be doing? Examine them, checking them out, right? Even though they would be doing something that would be considered to be through the Spirit, uh, exercising a spiritual gift, but sometimes you can have the true energy of the Spirit, and yet the flesh mixes in with that and dominates. We can say something that's true. Um, even me, I I can get up here, and if the Spirit of God, if if He's not a part of this, I'm just giving out what I think is my own opinion and my ideas, or my flesh gets involved in this for prideful reasons. Could be a lot of reasons. And you know what? The power of God's Spirit, you know, He can still bless that. But there might be different motives that's coming from uh, from me, or anybody that uh, that teaches. Let's say, for instance, that's that's proclaiming, uh, might be exercising a spiritual gift. But sometimes the energy of that spirit is going to be fully there, or could be nothing but in the flesh. And of course, I think sometimes that's that can definitely happen. Like man's emotions mm-hmm. involved in that thing. Yeah. Right. So through the Spirit or the gift of prophecy, 
um, they are saying, Paul, you shouldn't go. Now we're gonna we're gonna look at some other scripture also, and say, did is God telling them that he shouldn't go, or is it are they telling him what's going to happen when you go to Jerusalem? So. Um, in 1 Corinthians 14, people should prophesy in twos and threes and that the spirit of the prophet should be subject to the prophets. So that means they could have the prophets or people prophesying could actually be giving opposite things that are coming from God. It could be coming from a fleshly aspect thinking that it's from God. That Test those guys out. If they conflict... You've got a problem because God can't say two or three different things at the same time and they'd be opposite, can He? I mean, God is a rational God. He makes sense. Uh, so He says, and if they disagree, then you have to check on, the, on the, the prophecies there. So people could be wrong even though they are saying through the Spirit it's, and that in the sense of, of using that gift. So it could be sometimes in the flesh. That, that's an idea. Um, Somebody prophesied, though, that he that he shouldn't go to Jerusalem. So it's inconclusive exactly whether God, the Holy Spirit, is telling him not to go. If Paul did get this word from the Spirit and he goes to goes to Jerusalem, and and the Holy Spirit has absolutely said no, you don't go, then he's disobeying, isn't he? And some people will say that. But it's inter- uh, yeah. Go ahead. And all the other occasions yeah. speaks directly to Paul. So it seems odd that he would be speaking to Paul through somebody else. And also kept him from going. But his Paul's ideas were, were changed. Right. Yeah, so you're kind of like going, before if that happened, it seemed like then he was the yeah. new, but that was not right. Or, yeah, he just changed course. Well, let's say, let's say he does make a mistake here, okay? And now I, I'm, just, I'm just throwing this out, just... Okay, it's nothing. But let's say Paul makes a mistake. And he can do that. He's human. I mean, it's going to cost him his life. And he knows it. And I think he has love involved here. Uh, Love for the Jewish church. And so people will say, well, he made a mistake. But I think the motive, as far as the love for what he had in this and serving them, he was willing to give up his life. Now, I'm not saying that, hey, we need to, it's okay to disobey God if we're doing it out of love. Well, that can't be because our love then is not really for <laughs> those people. It's really a self, selfish type of love. It's for something else. Peter blundered, didn't he? Paul and Barnabas had uh, you know, a quarrel and... Um, you can think of the humanness of people. Noah, Noah failed uh, after the flood, got drunk. Abraham denied his wife. Isaac, fleshly lust. Jacob failed a lot. Moses failed. Um, John, the apostle. Uh, James and John, and their mother is there. You know. Gentle, loving, tender John the Apostle did a really stupid thing as his mother tried to get Jesus to put them up there as the at the chiefest seats in the kingdom. So we know Peter denied Jesus. Thomas doubted. There's the the humanness. And in that sense, if if Paul failed and, and Paul was a sinner, Paul sinned even as a Christian. But. If, if he did, it still encourages us. But I'm not suggesting that he was in sin and what he was doing. But I do want to say that God is in the business of picking up failures. Aren't you glad? <laughs> uh, I don't believe that uh, Paul failed here. I don't believe he's disobeying the Spirit. I don't think he is disobeying the Spirit in the sense that he was very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Yes, Barb. Could that be interpreted as, because the way I have always thought about that, I'm even really questioning but I, was, I thought that the Spirit spoke to the disciples to let them know 
what was in store for Paul. That's how I took that. And then the human aspect, the human part of them, acted on what the Spirit told them and told him not to go. Right. Yeah, um, well, move ahead a few verses there. I think this is what you're saying there. Um, There's Agabus the prophet. All he does is he says, here's what's going to happen. Coming to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own feet, his hands, and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. What's the Holy Spirit say? Says this is what's going to happen. Holy Spirit is not saying, "Don't go," and I forbid you to go. He says this, but this is what's going to happen when you get there, which is true. But look at the next verse. When he, when we had heard this, we as well as the local residents, and you notice we have the we there. You notice Luke's in on part of this. This would have been us. We would we would said, "Paul, don't go. Please don't go." When, when we had heard this, we as well as the local residents began begging him not to go up to Jerusalem. Well, why? They don't want to see him get killed, possibly. And they know that they've heard this prophecy and probably have heard it from others. Paul's heard it. The prophet said exactly what the Holy Spirit said. This is what the Holy Spirit says. And then they say, don't go. Our humanists would say, don't go. But this is why we have a man of convictions because all the all along he's had it in mind and he has heard and he, and he knows that the Holy Spirit has told him that's what's going to happen. Um, he's sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He is one who was led by the Holy Spirit, filled by the Holy Spirit, and he has reasons for going to Jerusalem that were the right kind of reasons. It wasn't a selfish kind of reason. His motives are pure. And I don't think you can get an impure act out of uh, absolutely pure motive if you're if you're plugged into the spirit. Uh, Acts twenty twenty four. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Now, he's not giving credence to taking your own life or just going in reckless abandon and saying, I don't care about anything. And, you know, But he is handing himself completely over to the Lord and he knows that whatever the Lord's going to do, it's going to happen. He is convinced of this. Time after time, how many times has he been arrested and almost killed and he was stoned to be left for dead if he didn't... And you know, you go on and on. You see all those things that's happened to him and he says, I'm still here. Look at all the floggings and the beatings. And he's still here. He's still alive. He still has the gospel to preach. And so he doesn't count his physical life of any account for himself. I have to finish the course here, though. And this is the ministry that's been given me. And, and a ministry revolves around one thing. The gospel of the grace of God. That's ministry. We can do this ministry, do this ministry, do this. But it really has to be focused on this gospel of the grace of God. That's what it's about. So he received that from the Lord Jesus, and so he will continue to go until the Lord says, okay, um, your time has been appointed. And that's it. What is, is it in... Let me see. Interesting verse for... People of persecution. I can remember where that is at. I may not find it right now. Ah, yeah. Okay, this is interesting. Um, This is dealing with persecution and martyrs. Revelation chapter 6, verse 10. And here are martyrs, okay? And they cried out in a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Now, here's the verse. 
And there was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, look at this, would be completed also. God already has it mapped out who, the, who martyrs are going to be. People are going to die for the cause of Christianity. Uh, the number of the fellow servants that are to be killed and that would be completed. I think that's interesting. Matter of fact, I think well, God has our very days numbered, doesn't He? Exactly when we are to be born and when we are to die. And He's in control of the death too. Everything. That's quite a God, isn't it? I'm glad He's in control. But I, I think um, um, in your Acts twenty twenty four. Did we read that right? Did I read that a while ago? Yeah. I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. So this is uh, his motive. Even when people are saying, don't go, don't go, I'm sure there's one part of him that says that he's a little bit shaky. Yeah. But I believe it's the Holy Spirit that is sending him there and he's being told all this because it is a preparation. And you ever noticed in your life when something difficult comes along sometimes? It can be death or it can be something pretty tragic. And sometimes you've been comforted in a way before this happened and you weren't too surprised when it did. Has that ever happened? You know, just you were just kind of it's almost like you were given a little bit of notice beforehand. The Lord gave you some kind of uh, General, notation. I've watched somebody else kind of going through something, going, how, how do you handle that? You know, and then, that, then later, I got to learn how you handle that. Yeah. God is always, always there doing it, isn't He? Now, Paul is just saying, none of these things move me. They neither count on my, my life. Uh, and I believe He's, he believes he's commissioned to do this. It's, uh, I don't think it's his own plan. He says, I don't care what happens in Jerusalem. I'm going there because I'm going to bring um, this money there. I'm going to bring truth. Um, I'm going to finish this thing that Jesus has given me to do. Um, in 2417, uh, the Acts, And this is after the fact of the matter, okay? Now he's giving defenses before Felix at this time. He says, Now after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. I came to bring alms to my nation. I don't think he regretted that. I don't think he was guilty at all. Uh, That's the reason that he's going there. Uh, Bring alms to his people and to worship God. That's that's the whole idea. So Paul, I don't think, was disobedient at all. And he was urged in, a, in, in his heart by the Holy Spirit. Uh, look in Acts 19.21. Now after these things were finished, Paul purposed in the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. Okay, That, that was way back in chapter 19. We're in 21 now, right? <laughs> Many miles ago. Paul purposed in the Spirit to go to Jerusalem after he'd passed through Macedonia and Achaia. So there we have something that's going there. You have the Spirit and somebody say, well, that that could mean His own Spirit. Or it could mean the Holy Spirit. Now, my Bible has an uppercase, but in the Greek, you really don't have an upper or lowercase on the Spirit there. Uh, so it could be both. And what do I think? I think probably both. His human spirit is agreeing with the Holy Spirit. I, I tend to believe that. I think Paul was led by the Spirit. Everything To do the things that he did, he would have to be led by God's Spirit to be able to get through any of this. And that's how he lived his life. That's, that was his life. And so the human spirit under the control of the Holy Spirit, that's, that's the way that we want to pursue our, our walk also. But um, 
chapter 9, verse 16. Acts 9.16. Remember his conversion? Jesus is speaking to Ananias. The Lord is speaking to him, okay? And and somehow he winds up, you know, he's taking care of Saul, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> and he boy, he just wasn't sure about this and uh, of course he gets a word from the Lord very directly. And um verse 15 says But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. Yes, to bear my name. Yes, before the Gentiles. Yes, and kings and sons of Israel. Yes, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, he's already done that. But yeah, he still has more suffering to go. Boy, did he ever. Suffering, suffering, suffering. Paul says that I would know his sufferings. And to go into Jerusalem and suffer there, like the Lord Himself. Well, he could say, if it was good enough for the Lord, it's good enough for me. Going to have to suffer. He, he knows that all through his ministry. And I'll tell you what, it kept the pride out of him. And just whenever he could, you know, he could have possibly gotten a big head. It's awful easy to get pride. People start telling us that we're good. Doing it real good, Paul. Get encouragement. All of a sudden it could have gone to his head. He he wrote against pride, you know, uh, to the Corinthians in chapter 8. How often did he speak against pride? And he knew how it was, because that's what he was all about before Christ. That's Everything that he did was really about that, even though he would have said, oh, it's all for God. It's all for Him. All the education that he had. Uh, another reason, I think, is the very fact that Paul never gave an indication that he thought that he sinned in going to Jerusalem. Um, I think that's very good Evidence. If he would have thought he would have sinned, he would have admitted his error and confessed it. Let everybody see it. But he never does that. In chapter 23, verse 1. Paul looking intently at the council. We're in Jerusalem. Chapter 23. Brethren... And these are uh, Jewish people here. I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. All the way up to this point. Right now as I'm speaking, I have a perfectly good conscience. Now, either he's lying or he's saying, I don't have anything that I'm hiding here and uh, there's nothing in my conscience that makes me feel bad about coming to Jerusalem because I made a mistake there. I shouldn't have done this. No, not at all. He's, I've lived my life, and right, even right now I have a good conscience with this. It's because he's been led by God's Spirit. A clear conscience before God unto this day. Um, the message is this. Paul, don't go unless you're willing to suffer. Uh, I think that's basically what the people are saying. Is what's going to happen. You're going to suffer. That's what's going to happen. That's courage and conviction, isn't it? That he's going to do this. And I think it is as natural as can be to have some friends who by even prophetic spirit could foretell his pain and would try to talk him out of going to Jerusalem. He has no concern for his own safety. And he knows Jesus. He cannot be diverted, even from his closest friends. And whenever it says we, it's, that's the travelers of, uh, of Paul in uh, Luke. Whenever it said we, heard this, we as well as the local residents there began begging him not to go up to Jerusalem. 
fascinating. After the uh, beginning of the reign of Bloody Mary, you guys know Bloody Mary, an officer was sent to bring certain preachers to trial. One officer uh, took a godly preacher. His name was Hugh Latimer. Anybody ever heard of Hugh Latimer? Wanted to bring him to London. Well, Latimer had six hours notice. Six hours? I can hot foot it out of here. I need to get out and go. No, he didn't. He promptly went in, packed his clothes, put them in his luggage case, his bag or whatever, and sat there and waited for the officer to come. He was ready to take a trip, prepare for his journey. And something that he knows full well is probably going to end in execution. Interesting. Officer arrived, took him. This is what Latimer said. And I'll quote this. My friend, come in. You're welcome. I go as willingly to London to give an account of my faith as ever I went to any place in the world. And I doubt not that as the Lord made me worthy formerly to preach to two excellent princes, He will now enable me to bear witness to the truth before the third, either to her eternal comfort or discomfort. Off he went to London. Bloody Mary burned him at the stake. And she didn't burn him alone, for there were two other preachers with him. The flames were leaping up. Latimer said this. Some of you might have heard this before. This is good. We shall light a candle in England today that will never go out. You know what? He's right. Because the costliest fire the Roman Catholic Church ever did was to set fire to Hugh Latimer because that was the death of Catholicism in England. Now they had the Episcopal Church there basically, I guess you could say. Um, But what it really did was to ignite the English Reformation. The English Reformation as a result of that gave us people like the Puritans as they followed suit after that. And you think of the throughout the 1600s uh, men of God who uh, stood worthy. Many of them, of course, uh, were persecuted. Some martyred because they would preach out in the, the open. Preach out in the street. Preach out in the woods. John Bunyan being one of them. Um, so the candle was definitely lit as he was lit, he says, this is the candle that, that starts it all. And so he had the courage to die in the flames. Incredible. Quite the conviction. Courage and conviction. But you'll never have courage unless you have a goal. You're going forth with that and that you know that this is what God has said. It doesn't conflict with His Word. We can, we can take our own um, understanding and think it's God's Word. And God is telling us this. But first of all, it has to be focused upon um, His truth. Does it does it conflict with that? And um, anyway, I think the uh, the courage comes out to keep preaching the word, which is really what Paul had in mind. Because if he, when he goes to Rome, guess what he's going to do there? He's going to preach the word. That's really what it is. Preach the gospel, the gospel of grace. So. Um, said in um, verse 5, when our days there were ended, the seven days there in uh, Tyre, getting close now, we left and started on our journey while they all with wives and children escorted us until we were out of the city. Made a lot of friends, Christian brothers and sisters, as he's taking his own entourage with him. And they come out there with him all sorts of ages. And after kneeling down on the beach, they're getting ready to get on the big ship now, and praying. That's what Christians do. We said farewell to one another. Those people probably didn't ever see him again, unless they went with him or went down there later. Then we went on board the ship, 
and they return home again. So there we have it. I think uh, he had convictions. I, I think it's interesting, you know, it, it brings on uh, a sweet fellowship there. It doesn't take long at all, does it, when you when you meet up with a with a true Christian that's sold on the same thing that you are. So the conviction, he knew his purpose, right? What's the second one? He was not going to be diverted because he knew this is what the Lord has in mind. And of course, it comes out to be Rome is next. <laughs> and you know what? Had God not taken him there eventually, after all those all the different persecutions that he had, um, he had gone on to Spain. And if he would have still been alive, who knows, he might have come to America. <laughs> Just a laugh. But um, let me tell you, he wanted to evangelize the world, and boy, did he take it. He took it all the way to Europe. It's amazing. That is amazing. God did it. God's plans are so much bigger than the way that we see them sometimes. And we want to you know, interpret some way that, some way that we can have comfort and, and um, ease. And it um, doesn't always go that way. It doesn't usually go that way. It's always going to go though, the way that God wants it after it's all said and done. And He will use, uh, use us when we are doing rightly. Didn't get through the chapter, did we? I said six verses. Okay. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this journey that Paul took. Thank You as he sets quite an example of what true conviction is. Lord, uh, I come up way short on that kind of conviction, on that kind of courage, and Lord, when the time would come, I would pray that uh, I would have the courage and everybody here would have the courage to do what needs to be done at whatever time it is. It can be the little things, the small mundane things to uh, taking a journey for you. But we uh, want to be doing your mission and sold on your word, your truth, your gospel of grace. For that is what it is about. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.